Hello and welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry and last week I mentioned I was uploading all 192 episodes to a new YouTube channel called Animation Industry Podcast instead of being under my personal channel called Terrymation. And so far I have eight subscribers. So if you're one of them, thank you. This chat is with Mervit Chader, who is a Turkish animation director, designer, and model maker specializing in stop motion animation. She is currently a set designer at Leica Studios, and she recently worked on Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio as well. Now, in our chat, she shares her journey from Turkey to the US in pursuit of stop motion set building and all the ups and downs that happened in between. So without further ado, let's jump in. Hi, Merva, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm so good. Uh, I'm happy to be talking to you for the second time now, except <laughs> this time you won't be translating from Turkish to English. You'll be speaking in English, talking about yourself. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Um, why don't we just start off with this? What? Just, just jump right into it. You're a set designer working at Leica right now, which I think is amazing. Can you explain what a set designer does? Yeah, um, so set designer is basically an architect, um, like it can be compared to an architect. Um, I basically draft um, the sets that are going to be built and I deliver those like blueprints to the set shop and they, you know, base their their builds uh, on, on those drafts. I also make um, like white models. Um, for... Sorry, white models? Yeah, like white, like what we call them uh, are maquettes. So they're just basically uh, made of like foam core ah. uh, and materials like that. So they're kind of almost like a sketch of the actual set. Um, sometimes it's smaller than the actual set. Most of the times it's smaller uh, just to see kind of how the design looks like in like in the physical form. And we also use them uh, for camera scouts. Um, meaning uh, like the camera and lighting set up the way that they would for a shot or like kind of maybe in a simpler way. And then we see if the set works uh, in those cases. And I also make like 3D models of the sets. Sometimes those models go to uh, VFX or previous or they, they can use those um, based off like their- so, uh, Oh my goodness, I have so many questions suddenly. But I'm wondering, uh... Can you just explain the pipeline a little bit more of mm -hmm. where you come in and and like how sets progress after? I'm assuming like in my idea, you get storyboards and then you have to think, OK, how many how many backgrounds do I need? How many what props do I need, et cetera? So maybe you can just go through the process of at what point you come in. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so basically, um, set designer is a part of the, the product in the art department and um, uh, the head of the art department is the production designer um, and they usually have a vision for for the set and um, set designers usually work with uh, like you said storyboards um, also um, concept art um, we, we receive uh, and then uh, we also look for uh, visual references there is some art direction uh, like we usually get some visual references from the art direction too um, and our job is just basically um, kind of look at those facts. And like you said, like when we're watching the animatic, um, we we see like 
how the camera is, I guess, positioned and which parts of the sets that we are seeing. So um, some of the things I need to consider is like camera access, animator access, that kind of stuff, because um, set needs to be able to break apart in ways that animators and other um, people can access to the puppets and uh, animate them. Um, yeah. And yes. then... Yeah, so okay so you watch the animatic and you see the storyboards and you have the concept art and you have mm -hmm. the idea from the production designer mm -hmm. then you go into like do you go into autocad or or like maya or 3d studio max or something and draft we, something up we use a software called Vectorworks. okay um, that, that's also used in film industry it's kind of like a standard now and um my process is usually i start with a white model directly because um it gives me like I am able to like almost sculpt like I, I can see like in, in my hands like how uh, proportions look like and things like that. So before and you then, even touch a computer, you just get out a bunch of foam. That's what I do, but that's not the standard <laughs> process. People usually start with drafting, but yeah. to me it gives a better visual sense. Um, so and then with that, like almost it's like a like a first impression, like first like um i don't know and then yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, when, when i get to a point where i can kind of i have an idea then i start drafting uh and then i actually directly we make this is the process for everybody i guess we make the 3d model first um and then uh, software gives you an option to like just kind of um get the elevations and ground planes and all that from that 3d model wow how much measuring is involved like if you if you go to a stage and you're like okay this stage has 15 feet by 15 feet now i have to design within these boundaries um yeah we we get that information at the beginning there's usually a stage that's allocated for that set yeah uh, so we have those boundaries but there are um, standard animation deck sizes so um they're usually two by two four by four uh four by eight and just kind of those also determine the the overall size um i mean we use those to to determine that size um okay that makes sense yeah. okay so you're you're designing in your software how mm -hmm. much are you thinking about like details like color and uh like when you look at the concept art and like you know there's a crack on the window and i don't know this chair has buttons on it like are you designing all of that in the software too or are you designing the basic geometry of things um so i designed the architecture of things so mm. yeah like you said like cracks and things those small things those are um not our i, I think that's mostly uh, paint scenic painting or mm. uh, maybe even model shop depending on what exactly it is um so what we provide is just like i mean you can think of it as like just like walls and like the, the space uh we we add like sometimes if it's necessary, like um, the, the particular items, but usually not. I mean, if it's like a couch or something, we just put like a placeholder and uh. then the model shop builds it. Um, prop designer can come into play in that case. Um, but if there is like an architectural detail, like molding and, um, you know, that kind of stuff we, we do uh, include in the, in the drafts. So, so, okay, so you finish, say we're designing an interior room and you finish mm -hmm. the walls and the layout and you've got the placeholders for the couch and the tables and things. Mm -hmm. At what point 
you know, is it finished and you hand it off? And like, what does that look like? Do you hand off like uh, this, the, I don't know, uh, visual representation as a, as blueprints to yeah, somebody blueprints. else and they create it? Okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And then set shop builds it, uh, prop department builds the, the, the props and I, sorry, um, model shop builds the, uh, the props and uh, other things. And then the scenic painting uh, paints it based on the, the concept art and uh, production designer's vision. Uh, yeah. What we deliver is mostly black and white. Uh, I mean, there, we can include like kind of um, the, the artwork at some point. So yeah, that yeah, is yeah. A, it's a reference, but that's not kind of our. How big is there a difference of uh, designing things for 3D printing versus uh, something that's going to be sculpted? Like if you're designing an out, outside landscape, I'm assuming, you know, the, the top the topography and the geography or whatever is going to be maybe molded with wire and some kind of, I don't know, clay or paper mache or something versus like a house which might be 3D printed. Like, is there a huge difference in how you design these things? Yeah, it is actually. So it it's also... Oh, it's more about like, is there going to be animation on it is a question. Hmm. Like if there's like a hill, um, like a like mountainous thing, and there's no animation on it, it can be built out of foam or, you know, whatever. And that's going to be landscape department's job. They're going to have some sort of visual reference to work with, some sort of overall dimensions. It doesn't have to be really detailed. And they can kind of... Um, make that happen but if there's animation on it then it gets more tricky because then it needs to be uh, made out of wood um, so it needs to have some sort of structure that's like precisely defined oh, wow. uh, measurement wise that so that set shop, set shop can build it and then there, there can be like tie downs the, the puppets can be um, you know uh, attached to that set um, and then in terms of 3d printing it's more for i guess prop kind of stuff i mean sometimes some architectural details can be 3d printed too but um um it's just like kind of part of the 3d model like i i deliver what i already modeled uh, in the software um like i export it in a format that is compatible for the 3d printer um and they just kind of print it out <laughs> you is there any so once you hand off the blueprints so is there much follow-up like do you go <clears throat> to the sets and the set designers or you're the set designer, sorry the the fabricators and whatnot mm -hmm. and be like no 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 this is not <laughs> what we wanted or or whatnot like are no, you involved this... in that process as well no once i hand it off it's kind of done because those decisions are made throughout the process already mm -hmm. um and what i deliver is just like all the dimensions all the details that they can work with I mean, if they have questions, they can come back and ask, like, yeah. you know, but it's it's at that point, like when I deliver it, yeah, from then on, I move on to the next set. Okay, okay. Um, Maybe my last like technical question about this. Okay, so, you know, you're working on a big production right now. Um, and you, you seem like you're kind of uh, at the front, for, uh, more at the front of the pipeline. Does this mean that um, your job will finish much further in advance than animation and everything production actually continues afterwards? Or are you here to the end of production usually, typically? Yeah, good question. Usually I come in kind of earlier in the process. I mean, so I design, I mean, I finished the, the blueprints, I design part is done, I deliver it and then they built it. And then when it's built, animation starts animating while I'm 
working on another set. So mm-hmm. there's a kind of a overlap, I guess. Um, and then when the last set is done, um, I, I guess then my job will be done. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, then the animation, usually animators work longer and then the editing. I, I, I think the editing is the luckiest <laughs> in terms of job security because they come in the earliest and then they leave the very at the very end. But yeah, we are kind of somewhere in between like yeah interesting so um you know you also you've also done live action and you mentioned that as well is the process largely different for live action in this in this case there are some similarities and differences like like i said that animator access thing doesn't exist for um live action obviously (laughs) uh and then um well for live action there's like you, you always have the option to have a location right like that kind of changes things but in stop motion everything has to be like built from scratch uh which means everything needs to be designed um and other than that like in terms of the way we draft is kind of similar i mean so you still get out your foam core and build yeah yeah, yeah okay wow <laughs> And then are you actually like taking a camera and like looking through the lens to see how everything uh yeah yeah i there's in in, within the software you can place cameras and kind of match the uh the the storyboard frames which we call it scouting again but that's something we do uh once we design the set we have like we we make um camera scouts on in the software so that we can see if it matches with the frame um and then, yeah, with the maquette, it's more like cam- the, the actual maquette goes to the camera department and they, they do their own scouting. Um, are, do you ever get jealous of the fabricators? Because I know that you fabricate as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I fabricated, but um, it's, I mean, I I love it. I enjoy yeah. it, but um, it is tough. I mean, I don't know if I want, because it also comes with, like, it has like a physical burden to it. So like, um i remember like having you know some pain in my hands the carpet tunnel um and also like i kind of i really admire not kind of i really admire that they um they're able to like replicate things in a way that that i'm i'm really jealous of like the paint department i don't know how they make like the copy of the same exact (laughs) exact thing um but yeah it's it's all really valuable yeah, I'm I'm wondering, you know, for you mentioned job stability. Are you once you wrap up on like a project like this, are you jumping on to live action back and forth from stop motion to live action? Or do you kind of is there enough work within stop motion to stay in stop motion? Or do you also, you know, take on other types of roles? Yeah. Um so far I so after Pinocchio, I had a year off, and during that year I went back to Turkey. Uh, stay there, um, worked on my own kind of short project. Um, I was kind of considering at the time, maybe I should start teaching or something. Uh, but then I got the, the job at Leica and I came back. <laughs> nice. um, and I don't know what will happen if, if I will roll off from, like if I roll off from this project and what will be the next step. I'll probably work on my own stuff again. Um, I'm Yeah, I'm not really interested in going back to uh, live action. Um, hmm. When you say work on your own stuff, are you talking about your own short film or your own? Yeah, short films. I also want to like I have some ideas for 
I, I at some point I wanna uh, create a, a TV show. Um, I mean, by create I mean like write and kind of yeah. find the ways to <laughs> produce yeah. it. I guess. Interesting. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so well, I want to hear more about how you went from Turkey to set designing in the U.S. because that's a huge jump that I don't think a lot of people make, and I think that's I think it's super awesome. So okay, so maybe just start because also I know you you have an architecture yeah. degree first, so maybe just start with uh, when you were younger and you were thinking of what you wanted to do with a career. You know, what was your aspiration and what what compelled you to get into architecture in Turkey? Yeah, I um, I always had I I remember like this is I don't know maybe not related, but um, I remember like making like little uh, houses for like bugs out of matchboxes and like I would <laughs> like dig a hole in the wall for for like ants or something. Like I was always your, like your mom's into... like, what are you doing? There's ants in our kitchen. You're like, <laughs> they live here. It's their house. <laughs> yeah, I was always like interested in that kind of stuff. Um, that probably played a part, but um, yeah, I. I was looking, I, I always, I remember like drawing stuff, like I, I was always interested in visual, uh, like creative work. And um, after high school, like I was thinking what I'll do in college and I, I just, all my applications were interior design, architecture, um, environmental design, they were all design related. And I, I got into, um, a university in my hometown Ankara called Hacettepe, uh, an interior architecture uh, department. Uh, during that time, like when I was studying there, um, I also worked part time at a model shop, architecture model shop. Um, that was kind of a, almost a coincidence. So um, I remember, so my, I was talking to my dad that I'm struggling with the, the models, like making models for um, my school projects. And he happened to have a friend who whose mother was living in this building um, that an architecture model shop existed. So they they just went, I guess, um, they introduced me and I was supposed to just kind of like shadow, I guess. Uh, I, I was supposed to be just there for the summer to learn things, but I actually started making things and they hired me. So I would just work there on like um, holidays and I I was supposed to graduate in four years, but I ended up graduating in six years. So my last two years, I had a lot of free time. Um, so I would just go there and work. Um, so that was kind of the, the part where like architecture and model making, I guess, um, developed. But then when I actually started working, uh, I couldn't really find the, the creative side of the job that I was hoping for. Uh, I worked at some uh, furniture companies in my hometown, um, which was far from being creative. Um, and I I did some like interior design work also, but again, like it just didn't satisfy me. Uh, and around that time, Paranorman came out. Uh, I think it was 20, 2012. Um, anyway, I watched the film and I loved it. Yeah, that's still my favorite like a movie ever. And um, I remember watching some behind the scenes videos on YouTube, and I saw this one particular video where they were making a lamp, like a library lamp kind of thing, like a desk lamp. The whole video is like 
this meticulous process of like you know blowing little glass and like just wires and like these tiny little parts coming together and at the end they show the the scene where the lamps are and they're like a lot of lamps uh it's like a whole set with like so many so many things and when i saw that i was like that's what i want to do wow <laughs> <laughs> because i had the you know model making experience and architecture and i felt like it's just the perfect match for me uh, and i started searching like how can i you know how can, how can i be a set designer for stop motion which is like doesn't even exist it, and it's not a thing like that you can i guess uh, go to school for um anyway then i started searching like set design and you know programs that are offered and i ended up finding this um theater program at california state university uh, and i applied and i got in so then i moved to california wow. um and so again it was still, so i was in theater now but um i didn't really it's, it's actually kind of funny when i first uh, when i was first applying i remember i had this interview with uh, my um, who was going to be my professor um, and he asked me like why do you want to come here and i told him that i want to design sets for stop motion animation and he was like what <laughs> that that's not how it works <laughs> and I eventually got into school and when I graduated, and we, we became like really close. Like he, he was like my mentor. Like he's, he was this like kind of older Russian like stage designer. Uh, and we, we became like friends. And when I graduated and, oh, I, not when I graduated, sorry. When I got the Pinocchio job, I actually had a dinner with him. And I was like, do you remember that you told me that's not how it works? <laughs> he was like, yeah, I remember. That's crazy. What, can, <clears throat> what gave you the uh you know confidence to uh, still go to the school when it wasn't exactly what you wanted to do and the main professor that you would be having said this is not how you do it like and then you know i think it's absolutely phenomenal that you saw paranorman and you're like i want to do that and now here you are literally yeah. working on the next isn't like that, a movie it's it's absolutely funny? incredible especially because you were in turkey at that point and like yeah. you know how many people in the united states and canada and north america whatever actually want to get in and they don't like and mm -hmm. and you're like halfway around the world i think that's incredible so sorry where did the confidence come from to be like i want to make something like paranorman i'm going to apply to this school in california that isn't really into, you know, stop motion and the professor's like, we don't do that here. What, what compelled you to still go there? Uh, well, part of it is like, I, I mean, I don't, I guess I don't see things as like, uh, I don't even know how to explain this, but it, it's kind of, a, it's about like mindset thing. Like it wasn't like, I knew that there's no school that teaches set design for stop mm. motion animation. So him saying that it's not the way it's supposed to be, it, it didn't really matter for me. Like for me, what mattered was just first like moving here, which was ah. uh, like a, a grad school was kind of one of the best options to do that. Because like if you, if you move to the US with a tourist visa, you cannot work or, you know, there are all these like hoops. Um, and I was talking to other people who, who did the move and I was like asking their opinions and everybody seemed to agree that like going to school is the best way to kind of immigrate, I guess. So once I found this, this program that was 
somewhat I felt like related, um, which actually kind of was. I mean, honestly, all the other set designers come from theater background. So I don't know. Anyway, um, so yeah, at, at that time, my focus was just kind of, let's just move there and learn what I'm going to learn and then see what happens. And I didn't even know I would actually end up doing what I'm doing now. I actually, if you told me back then, you know what, now you're going to move there and then you're going to end up like 10 years from now, fast forward, you're going to do that. I, I would be like, I wouldn't even believe you probably. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't confidence. It was just like, you know what, let's, let's do something yeah. different. Um, so, well, I yeah. feel so proud of you. This is, this Thank is just you. amazing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that makes, you know, that makes sense. If you already knew there wasn't any school that taught it, and mm -hmm. your goal was to come over and learn something in the related industry, then that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And that would give you the confidence to be like, Professor, I know. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, and, and plus, you know, like what you said, a lot of theater people move into stop motion. That makes sense because the, the software you said is the same. Mm -hmm. The process is very similar, even if it's different. So, mm -hmm. and there, there, like you said, there is no school, which, you know, you were thinking of teaching. Maybe there is a demand for uh, people who want to learn set designing for stop motion. And there really isn't any formal program right now. So mm -hmm. that could be a good opportunity. So, okay, so you graduate from uh, California State and you have your, uh, it's a, uh, M it's a, what is it called? You mean the? The, the program, the degree? Oh, Masters it's a th theater set design. Theater and so, so you, okay, so you graduate with theater and set design. Now what? <laughs> um, so initially, I so uh, the visa type that I had was like a student visa. It was giving me an option to uh, stay for a year and work. And I started looking for jobs. Um, and I ended up, uh, I when I was in school, I had this internship at a, at a model shop uh, in Torrance. Um, and again i was doing like architecture models and stuff um so i think i worked there for a little bit and then um i found a job at an architectural design company because uh, they had their own little model shop within the company um the com company was called jordy uh they were in downtown la so they hired me and i was kind of a this joker um, um employee because whenever their design teams needed help with some drafting, I would just kind of jump into that. And then whenever that need wasn't there, I was going back to the model shop and working on models. Um, but again, like, so, um, again, like I was doing not what I wanted to do. Uh, I looked for some stop motion work back then. I remember, I mean, there are some studios in LA, they do more like, I guess, short uh, form content and uh, more like, um, they hired on like project basis. Um, and I, I remember applying and talking to some of them. And at the time they weren't looking for anyone and I didn't have any stop motion experience. So um, nothing happened. But then I realized that how can I get stop motion experience? Like, cause like if they're not gonna hire me, like I'm, I'm never gonna be able to have that yeah, experience. Exactly. So I, I decided to make my own short film. It was at the time, it was more of like a portfolio thing for me. So I wasn't even like, I didn't even have an idea like um, what to do. I was just thinking, oh, maybe I should just do 
a day in the life like a character just wakes up and like i don't know goes to sleep because i i was like literally i had zero ideas to what to do um i just want to showcase my like model making skills and like um i guess um just have something on my portfolio uh, but then the more i thought about it like it kind of grew on me i saw this um thing on the news uh, about um a, a father um sorry a guy who owned a, a flower um, like he was selling flowers in syria and then the war uh, started and um he's um, he, he dies like it, it, it was like a really sad sad um news story and when i watched that i i started crying and i felt like oh that's maybe i should make a, a short film about that uh something like that and uh, and then i film my first short was called mother of all flowers yeah um yeah it was this mother and daughter they were um like i didn't specify that it was syria but they were basically in a um, middle eastern country and they were affected by the war um so when i had that I, oh, when i finished that i started sending it to festivals and now i had some experience in stop motion which was actually really useful because um I, that was the first time I actually animated something, so I was kind of a little bit, um, I guess, self-conscious. But at the same time, I learned a lot, like throughout the process, because every time I was just like, I needed to, sh you know, shoot something, and I would just, you know, YouTube, Google, like how how do I do this? Like I had the scene I remember, um, there was supposed to be like rain, and it's obviously not water. <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> what it should be. Um, there were all these like little things that I learned when I was uh, doing that. Wow. So, okay. So you, you, <clears throat> you were model making, but you wanted to get into stop motion. Still, you had mm -hmm. your degree, you're in the U S you have a very stressful year to figure things out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> were you very stressed? <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah. And now you have this short film that's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, playing in festivals. At what point did you end up working on like Pinocchio, which is yep. uh, incredible. How did so that happen? Here's what happened. Here's what happened. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you the story. It's actually an interesting story. Um, so I was working at an architecture real design company. And um, like I said, this whole working thing is for a year, right? So I needed to have a plan if I want to stay. Uh, my company decided to apply for a work visa for me, which hmm. is called H1B. And uh, the, sorry, I'm getting like maybe too many details of this stuff, but it's kind of important to the story because uh, they, so the, the, the way it's allocated is like, um, usually every year, um, I don't know, 200,000 people apply, like through, through their companies. And I think 85,000 is selected through uh, like a draw. So it's, it's kind of like a lottery, but yeah. you have, I guess, more chances. And if you have a, like a graduate degree then you can enter the draw one more time so at the time i calculated i had 60 percent chances of getting it uh so they applied i think it was around you know like mid like towards the end of my my permit was ending uh meanwhile by the way um i, I don't remember the timeline but um so i watched isle of dogs um and um i was looking at the reading the like credits the names on the credits um i think this was around the time that they were applying for the visa or whatever so uh, i saw a 
Turkish name in the credits, Özlem Aktürk. And she was in the camera department. Um, so my plan B at the time was moving to UK if this visa thing doesn't work out. <laughs> and, you know, Isle of Dogs was filmed there. So I was like, oh, there's this Turkish person who worked on it. Maybe she can give me some advice. So I Googled her name. I found her email address and I sent her an email. I asked, like, you know, I'm planning to move to UK. If that happens, like, what's your advice? Where should I look for stop motion work? Um, and then she responded to me. She said, like, oh, you know, if you're if you're in the US, why why are you even coming here? Because they're going to make this like really cool Pinocchio movie there. You should like look into it. I was like, huh? And I started like Googling and there's, there was nothing about it online. Like all the articles said, like Guillermo del Toro had this like vision, but it's, it's, not, it's yeah. not happening for years. And I was like, why did she even tell me that? And then a week later, it was all over the news. Netflix picked it up. It's happening. And I, I checked this IMDb and I saw like I, I was just I was literally. So I opened the IMDb page, cast and crew. And I just started Googling everybody, <laughs> more or less. Uh, I found the, uh, the email address of the production designer and I sent him my portfolio. He didn't respond right away. And I was like, yeah, of course, you know, why would he respond or whatever? So I kind of forgot about it. Um, and then fast forward a couple months later, I received an email from him. He, he said like he, he liked my portfolio and he sent me a link and told me to apply from that specific link. Um, and I, I applied again a couple months later so um then um when my company company uh, applied for that permit um around the same time i got an email from pinocchio that um out of i think it was like they the email mentioned that like 25000 people applied and they were contacting like 25 people at this point i think they reduced it 25,000 people. Yeah, I think word got out somehow. I, I don't know how applied. they applied, oh but because <laughs> for me, it was like... UK just telling everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, wow. Um, oh, my anyway, gosh. Then, then um, you know, a couple of weeks later, we did a video interview, um, like a Zoom Zoom call, and then, then I got the job. So, so, so did they ask about your visa at all? Yeah. Like, so th that was the, the point. At that point, I'm like, you know, I don't know what to do. Like my company is applying for this thing. Um, and the funny thing is, so I didn't get that visa. <laughs> oh, no. I had 60% chances. And wow. I you didn't get drawn. Yeah. Well, my name Pinocchio, just wasn't drawn. Pinocchio got a visa for you, I guess. Yeah. So they wow, applied for incredible. a different kind. Of, there's like an artist visa, like this visa for like, I don't know extraordinary talent <laughs> yeah 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 well they know they must have really really liked you because as far as i understand u.s companies don't particularly unless they're like disney or whatnot don't particularly like going through yeah. the process of giving out visas because yeah. it's like it's long and it's costly and there's yeah. lawyers involved and etc cetera, etc cetera. so i think that's incredible what do you okay so twenty-five thousand people applied not just for your job but what do you think made your portfolio stand out to to pinocchio that, that's a good question. I mean, I feel like maybe that having that short film in there might have helped. Uh, and I had this like architecture model making background. Yeah. Something must have. So I honestly, I'm wondering because Pinocchio, at least from what I've seen so far, like, you know, the sets are gritty. 
They're mm-hmm. very organic. Everything's old styled, like medieval kind of. Whereas like the the sets that you worked, the models that you worked on have been like, uh, you know, modern, more modern buildings and even your short film, like, et cetera. So. No, actually, yeah, the, the architecture stuff was like that. But uh, my short film, I, it was kind of like I had kind of lots of tex- texturing and my, my theater set models were usually heavily textured like i i, was, ah, ah. I liked mm-hmm. using different textures and paint styles and stuff so maybe that that might have helped but yeah, what a exactly what a like, like you know i think it's amazing that you got pinocchio but also you put in a lot of hard work just like internet sleuthing and finding people to talk to and putting yourself out there like even just going through the credits and finding one turkish name and coincidentally this person led you to a path that ended up you know sparking a stop motion career for you which i think is incredible <laughs> how was working on pinocchio uh, it was it was i know amazing. it's not I mean... out yet so you can't <laughs> say much but like how was the experience yeah it was it was like i, I don't know like the best thing ever <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it was like a dream come true for me and i you know the whole time i couldn't believe like i'm working on the guillermo del toro wow. film like I, i'm i was i'm still a big fan of his work um, and the story really, you know, it's amazing. I mean, like you said, yeah. I cannot really talk about it, but um, it's like, it, it's special. And I'm just, I was really excited to be there the whole time. Of course. Um, and it, I was, <laughs> I mean, I was sad that the, the, the world had to go through what it had to go through, but I was kind of happy that because it extended my, my work situation because I was supposed to be there for a couple of months and then I ended up just staying for a year and a half. Wow, um, oh my gosh. Because of the pandemic and um, yeah, it's just, um, it was, I mean, part of it was I was excited the whole time, which I'm still like, I, I love my job and I, I'm just really happy to be doing what I'm doing. But um, also, on the other hand, I had this like constant, um, uh, what's it called? Um, like a, there's a word for it. Okay. Um, like I was panicking that like, uh, imposter syndrome. Yeah. Ah. I had the imposter syndrome thing going on on the other hand, because I'm like, this is my first experience. It's such a big like movie that everybody's excited about. Like. Uh, what if I like mess something up, like I ruin everything, you know, there's this, that fear on the background, but luckily like the art director, uh, production designer, like, everybody was like super supportive. Um, and just, I, I don't know, this like stop motion community is like special. I feel like, like everybody's really totally. kind and helpful. So like, I don't know, it, it went well, I think, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> I think that's so amazing. I'm so happy for you. And that, you know, that excitement and also kind of fear is such Mm -hmm. a kind of like special and rare feeling to get in the working world. So I think that's, I think that's incredible. And then, so you were there for a year and a half. Did you expect to go to Leica afterwards or? Again, a story is coming. So yeah, tell me. (laughs) I was living in Portland um, and when you know when we start working from home we were having all these like zoom meetings and um by by the way like when i was working on pinocchio you know we i'm talking with my colleagues and 
we had this like ongoing conversation about where people live like you know where do you live which part of town you live and whenever i tried to explain where i live they were like ah oh, we had a friend his name is carl and he used to live in that area i wonder if it's close to where you're living so one day when we had a zoom call with the other designers and they asked uh, when we were talking uh, there was like a church nearby and the, the church bells uh, they, they heard the church bells and they were like, oh, there was a church near where Carl lived. I, this Carl name keep coming up. And then uh, I, one day I was just coming back home from like grocery store. And uh, so my apartment was on the third floor. I don't know, I guess I was like tired. I, I arrived to the second floor and I saw like a box in front of the door. I was like, oh, I got a package, I guess. And I look at the package. It says Carl. I'm a, oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, Carl lives here. And, like, and I realized that, oh, I, I'm, up, I'm supposed to go one more level. But I realized that he was like literally my downstairs neighbor. You have his address now. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote him a note. I said, like, you know, I'm a set designer on Pinocchio and I keep hearing your name. You know, we should hang out. And we just ended left up on his door. Or on the package? Yeah, on the package. I, I like a, <laughs> made a little note. And then he reached out back because I think I wrote my number or email or something. And we had a coffee and we walked like around the neighborhood. He was at the time working at Leica as a set designer. Um, and, you know, we, we just chatted and we became friends. Um, and anyway, when uh, my contract ended with Pinocchio, I had to leave the country because you have like 60 days to... Uh, you know, either figure out what you're going to do next or you, you have to leave. Um, and at the time I was kind of like, you know, anyway, I, I decided to leave. Uh, I went back to Turkey and um, uh, I stayed for a year. Um, then, well, I don't know how much. Okay, I, I'll just kind of quickly say that uh, it was kind of a personal, I guess, dealings I had to deal with. Uh, I went through a divorce. Uh, anyway, when that happened, I was like, and kind of, kind of one of the reasons I ended up having to turn back was because my uh, my ex-partner wasn't able to work uh, with the visa type that he had, and it was a whole thing. So when I got the divorce, I was like, okay, now I don't have a reason to turn back anymore, <laughs> and all yeah. the stop-motion work is still happening in the U.S. I should probably <laughs> find a way to go back. <laughs> um, anyway, then... Um, I, you know, I applied for a couple of things, I, I remember, uh, but nothing, you know, I didn't get anything back. Like you said, like the whole visa thing is kind of yeah, um, yeah, complicated yeah. for companies too, so I understand. And usually like the film projects, they're just like, you know, they happen like fast and they have to kind of fill, fill those positions. They don't really have time to wait for visas most of the times. Um, and anyway, like I said, I was looking for some teaching jobs and what else, else can I do if nothing happens? But then uh, I think it was like uh, Christmas or something. Uh, I sent a message to Carl and I was like, hey, what's up? You know, Merry Christmas or whatever. Um, and I told him that I was looking for, and we started talking and I told him that I was looking for work. And he said, I can send him my resume and he can kind of give it to the, the right people. Because I applied, I think, online. They had a job opening for set dresser position back mm -hmm. then. Uh, and that didn't work out, I think. Um, uh, so anyway, they received my, my resume and portfolio through him. And they reached out, and we had an interview. Uh, and I got the job. I moved back. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't work with Carl, because before I started, he 
he left the job. <laughs> so oh. I actually kind of took his computer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's kind of a weird situation. I, um, I mean, I'm really thankful that he helped, but it was like kind of this whole co- like. I mean, part of it is coincidence, but part of it is also like kind of, I guess, reaching out and like kind of yeah. you know, staying in touch. What an incredible story. I mean, just listening, it sounds exhausting, actually. You're in Turkey, you go to school in the US, you get a job, mm-hmm. you, you, you know, you're stressed out about where you're going to work. You finally get on Pinocchio, then you come back to mm-hmm. Turkey, then you're looking again. Now you're back in the US. Like, and the, that's the thing. Like, the thing is, after that Pinocchio project, I was yeah. like so pumped and like so yeah. like you know, I, now I know what I'm doing. Now I want to keep doing this. And I want to ask back what to keeps you going. So this now you like you said you know you know you know what you want to do. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's amazing. So uh, I guess like are you are you you're trying to stay in the U.S. at this point, right? Yeah. Okay. So once Laika wraps up, you're going to be because you're still on a visa I, I guess yeah I think I'll just keep applying for visas until whatever point I well, get now you have massive experience working on do you ever have you ever talked to the model shop back in Turkey and been like hey guess what I'm working on the two biggest stop motion productions in the world right now <laughs> I don't think they know what the stop motion is though oh no because <laughs> there was, was that like this old guy who was an architect he owned the, the model shop and um, I think there was one other person where he was like super small and I, yeah, I don't think they, they know, even if I explain them, I don't think they will understand. <laughs> you have to show them the movies. I think that's incredible though. You know, your journey is filled with coincidences, but also at every point you were putting yourself out there, even from the start, mm-hmm. when you said to your dad, like, Hey, I need help building these models and you really wanted to, and, and he helped you out. I think, I think that's incredible. It's, you know, as looking back on your journey, how do you feel now that you're working at the biggest stop motion production in the world right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that's it's true like the coins what was the, the there was like a saying about this like um luck is opportunity meets preparedness i think yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so basically um coincidence is a part of it but i think the biggest part of it is just like you know reaching out and just keep doing like keep improving your work and just showing it to people and just telling just telling the world I want to do this right telling people that I want to do this and somebody's gonna like either help you or show you the way or just like or they will ignore you that's fine too like you don't you literally have nothing to lose and that's kind of the way it works for most people I believe because um it's not like I mean you cannot like go on indeed and like search uh, set design jobs for stop motion like it, it's it's mostly word of mouth and same thing goes for film like it's all like kind of network and like just yeah you have to you have to know you have to start to know people to yeah. find out about the work yeah that makes sense that makes a ton of sense I used to before I was in stop motion animation at all I was in my business job just being like when is somebody gonna f- discover me yeah. it doesn't happen it doesn't happen yeah. <laughs> you have to you have to put yourself in those situations and yeah. talk to those people and reach out and and then you start hearing about things and whatnot so mm-hmm. and also you had the confidence to know exactly what you wanted to do do you still have imposter syndrome now that you're working again on another movie production at the beginning i had so i started back in march um i think like first I mean, up until maybe a month ago, um, wow. I was like kind of having, I mean, it's it's the same thing, but different. Yeah. Laika has more um, 
I guess, um, digital part to it that I wasn't familiar with. Hmm. Um, so I was a little bit like, oh, because I've done everything in practical shape or form. And um, so I, I had a little bit of like fear, but um, I think I, I started adapting to it at this point and um, it's going well now. <laughs> So was there a turning point in your mind where you didn't feel the imposter syndrome anymore? And like, what, what caused that? Was it just familiarity and experience? I think it's just, yeah, familiarity and experience. I don't remember like a moment of like kind of switching. It can, it can switch on any moment. Yeah, right. <laughs> kind oh, of, wow. yeah. Like, I mean, whenever, like you said, like when you put yourself out there and you're doing something new, you're always going to have, I guess, some sort of fear, even yeah. like a new job, new place. New field, yeah, anything can kind of, I guess, trigger yeah. that. So, you know, we've chatted about what a set designer does, the whole process, your journey specifically. Is there anything else that you wanted to share that you think people might be interested in hearing? Um, I'm not sure. I can't think of anything. I mean, I'm kind of... That's yeah, fine. I, I picked your brain a lot already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I... Um, yeah, I, I kind of enjoy animating too, but I feel like I should like kind of put more time into learning it. I mean, it was like my animating thing was more, um, like I said, just to have something on my portfolio. But then when I actually did it, I liked it because it's, yeah. it's like such a magical thing to like. Of course. Just, and, it, yeah. and it almost spans from, you know, like your childhood love of making mm -hmm. little houses and things for just bugs. Mm -hmm. Like it feels like this was maybe in you all this time. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, thank you. You know, if, if there's nothing else, uh, any advice or anything you wanted to share, then that's, that's, that's totally cool. So thank you so much, Mirva, for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, thank I, you for inviting. Of course, you know, awesome. <laughs> I find your work super interesting. And I'm, uh, you've enlightened me a lot on the process on what set designing does. So I think that's, mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. And if you're listening and you want to get in touch with Merva or reach out to her and follow her, you can do so by checking her out on Instagram, which is Merva.chadera. Yep. Is that right? Yep. <laughs> and uh, her website is the same, MervaChadera.com. And I'll include both those links in the description of this chat. And thank you so much for listening. And that's all for now. Okay, bye. The music for this podcast was composed by Will Farmer and the graphics by Daniel Abensauer. I encourage you to look them up if you enjoyed their work.